We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to The Big Jump with Orla Kelly and Des Doyle. When everyone else is gone Been all along I've seen that clever Take a parachute and go It's gonna have to be some danger Take a parachute and jump You're gonna have to take flight and you are very welcome to The Big Jump this week. It's Orla Kelly speaking. Um, I'm afraid I'm presenting solo this week because uh, Darren Proud is gone back to school. So he had um, he had a good experience yesterday. And um, hopefully all the pupils who are going back to school this week are having similar. So um, there have been some good news stories um, this week, apart from um, the incredible weather that we've been having. Um, but the interesting thing about the weather is that there's been a survey in America, it's done by Professor Krosnick in, in Stanford University, and apparently we all have a finite pool of worry. So um, the, the belief was that perhaps with COVID and financial worries that people had, that climate action would get pushed much further down the agenda. And it's interesting, even amidst the complete turmoil they have in America, that climate action has risen um, from 13 to 25% of people that it's it's one of the main issues they're interested about. So um, in a weird way, it's good that it's staying top of the agenda. Um, and also um, the interesting thing is that people, I don't know if this is happening in Ireland as much, but people are now making a connection between the extreme weather events, for example, this summer starting with a drought and now we've had, you know, three very serious weather events within a week. So people are beginning to make a connection between their actions and the extreme weather. So it's not something necessarily now that it's going to be the next generation dealing with it. Um, in other good news, I'm full of surveys this week. In other good news, um, the one-way system in Kilkenny, uh, which was introduced, and I think has been a combination of making the city centre more pleasant and accessible for people cycling, walking, but also uh, to enable social distancing. So there's been a big survey and that has got overall approval from the good burgers of Kilkenny. So that's a good thing. It might stay in place um, longer and perhaps even become permanent. Um, so we have some very interesting guests this week. We're going to be speaking shortly to Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland, who's going to be a font of all knowledge on, on the avian world with us. And then after the break, we're going to be having a chat with Denise Kyo, who's an artist who is one of a number of artists who are taking up residence and working on a project in the beautiful new Butler Gallery. Um, and she is involved in a sustainability project. Um, she's an artist in residence and it's to raise awareness of sustainability in our lives. And what better place to do it than a beautifully repurposed building like the Butler Gallery. So um, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland to the programme. Hello, hello, Niall, how are you? I'm very good, thanks, how are you? I'm great. Um, the, the best thing about birds this summer is that I think everybody has had the time to notice so much activity in their garden 
or when they're out that they possibly never had had time to do before. Have you noticed this? Oh, yes, indeed. Very, very much so. And um, it's been really interesting to see that uh, from the time of the, the, the initial COVID restrictions, um, we, we saw an instant spike of about 400% in traffic to the Bird of German website. Um, and especially people visiting sections about garden birds, you know, advice on, on um, looking after them and feeding them and so forth. And also the identification section, sort of online field guide that we have at, at birdofgerland.ie showcasing all of Ireland's different birds and how to identify them. So a lot of people were... were, were taking notice, I suppose, maybe for the first time in their lives in a proper way of the birds around their homes. And of course, when, when our movements were restricted and we weren't able to travel very far, I think that those birds became a real source of, of entertainment and, of course, of, of comfort for a lot of people. Uh, I certainly took comfort from them myself, watching, you know, the, watching life go on as normal outside my window and seeing the birds. I know, maybe, the th- maybe they were doing the voyeuristic travelling for us. I think their freedom... Maybe so, yeah, like, indeed, absolutely. The boundaries was very, very uplifting. Um, were people also um, on on surveys that we were doing? Were people giving you information as well as looking up identifications? Uh, yes, they were absolutely. We had lots of people contacting us with them um, with, with, with with birds that they'd seen in their garden. Unfortunately, during the summer months, a lot of our, our very formal surveys, where you know we do transects and you know, across kilometre squares of the countryside and all of that, they all had to be postponed because obviously the travel restrictions and the social distancing and everything. So a lot of that work couldn't happen. We did get lots of anecdotal uh, records coming in from people of birds, uh, both common and rare. And um, the records of common birds are very important to us. Sometimes people think a charity like Birdwatch Ireland works with conservation would only be interested in in the rare birds, but not at all. We can actually tell a lot about the health of our environment from the the populations of the common birds and how they fluctuate for for good or for bad. And so that's been very interesting. And of course, a lot of people now, we've been gearing them up for our, our annual annual uh, winter Irish Garden Bird Supper, which will be starting in December, where anybody at home can take part in this for 13 weeks um, from, from, uh, from December through to February, uh, looking after the birds in their garden and telling us what they see. So a lot more people coming to, to an appreciated wildlife and wanting to, to tell us about it and to contribute, I suppose, to what we call citizen science, you know, making their observations count towards conservation. And the winter Irish birds, Niall, is that, um, give us a few more details on that. How often would people actually have to you know, report in? Is it something they've to commit to do every day or just perhaps once, twice a week? Well, it depends on what time people have available, but uh, certainly what, what it is, it starts at the start of December and runs for 13 weeks. You don't have to do all the weeks of it, but you know, the more you do, the better, of course, from, from the point of view of the, the information that we get. Um, so what we ask people to do is we ask them to, to keep track of the birds coming into their garden and to give us the, uh, the high count of um, each particular species that they have at any one time. So you're not counting the birds all the time, saying, oh, there's a robin, two hours later, there's a robin again. You probably count the same <laughs> bird multiple times. It's the maximum number you see at any one time. You do that for 13 weeks, you give us the highest weekly total for each species. I know it sounds a little bit complicated, but on the survey form on our website, we give some examples that break it down very clearly and it becomes quite easy to follow. And the data we get from that is absolutely fantastic. We've been doing it for, for about 30 years now, and uh, we have just built up this, this amazing repository of information about what's happening with Ireland's bird populations and how climate change is affecting them, uh, how um, changes in farming are affecting them, uh, and maybe also this winter we'll see has perhaps has the COVID situation affected them at all. Uh, because certainly uh, some of the birds would have been, I suppose, quite glad to see um, an absence of human activity or certainly a big reduction in human activity during the summer months. It might have made life a bit more, a bit easier for some of them. Other ones, of course, who might be more dependent on human activity, particularly in relation to farming and things, perhaps they've been hit badly. We don't know. That's, that's the point of these surveys, to try and find out these, these patterns and to identify them. And that's interesting because I was about to ask you um, that the immediate reduction of pollution in in both car traffic and perhaps airline traffic and fuel and just the lack of activity, 
it, would that have a very immediate impact on, on bird life or would it have a knock-on effect? We might not see that until next year. It, it's hard to know. Um, it, it certainly could have had an effect. I mean, um, obviously the pollution situation and the climate uh, situation is, is pretty bad. So just a few, a few months of stopping emissions won't, won't fix that. Um, but it may, it may have had some effect, particularly on insect populations. So maybe the birds that would depend more on insects and might have benefited. And maybe the birds that depend on seeds might not have. We, we don't know. That, that's just a guess. Um, but uh, I certainly think there was some other benefits too. I think the lack of traffic on the roads. Uh, would certainly have helped some of the younger birds. When they're leaving the nest for the first time, they're quite naive and not wise to danger, and many of them die as road casualties. And so perhaps it may have assisted them, but maybe, maybe more young birds would have survived. I think certainly the uh, the marked reduction in noise would have had a big effect for the birds. The dawn chorus a lot of people reported to us was, was louder and better than they ever heard before. And I think that that was a lot, in big part down to the lack of background noise around the place. We just heard the bird song more, it carried further. So from the bird's point of view, that means that if the song's carrying further, they're probably having more success attracting a mate maybe defending a better territory or a bigger territory all of these things that that uh, that, that help to uh, help help the species out so that's a that might be part of it too and certainly the i never thought about the, the noise pollution that it that is really interesting yeah yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. Yes, so uh, certainly, certainly, it was, it was very telling the amount of people who contacted us in Broadway to say that they'd never noticed birds sound like it before. I think also part of it is too that most people were spending much more time at home than they ever had before. You know, instead of being in the office or something like that or commuting, they were at home with the windows open, maybe, and, and we were more aware of the birds around. I think that's a big part of it too. I think a lot of people became more aware of the birds. A lot of our garden birds are very, very common. It's just people aren't necessarily familiar with all of them. Uh, and then once you start to recognise them and see them, all of a sudden it sort of flicks a switch in your head that. Uh, that, that you know that does the switch off again you become aware of this world a lot of people are quite oblivious to it and then once you once it's, you're turned onto it all of a sudden you realize birds are everywhere and so i find that quite interesting but i also think that a big part of it has been the lack of human disturbance i think that a lot of birds were able to nest in areas where they wouldn't have before uh, because there's so much human uh, foot and vehicle traffic i think that's had a big effect as well so so it could be a good boost for 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 for, for many birds and um, we'll, we'll have to see and um, obviously it's only a, it's only a, a temporary uh, change hopefully hopefully this won't go on for, for, for very much yeah. longer. Um, hopefully the next breeding season things will be back to normal, but of course we don't know that. No, indeed. Um, if people are doing um, your survey starting in December, Nile, would they have to kind of be aware of birds that were nesting in the local area or can you just see birds that fly in and fly out? I know there is a thing about counting them, but like I would be aware of a lot of starlings nesting now in yeah. our place. Would, would would I count them or can you count birds that aren't necessarily nesting on your land but just visit? Well, it, so it, it, any any bird that that, that, you, that you see in your garden or, or whatever the schoolyard or whatever the patch of land that you choose for your survey area, so any bird that is seen using that as in, you know, walking in it or perched in a tree or feeding in it, um, obviously in the win- winter bird, birds won't be nesting. They're just, they're just nesting the breeding season, which is the, the spring and the mm. summer. But, the, but a lot of you will get, you know, lots of you mentioned the starlings there, absolutely, if they're in your garden, you mentioned, you mentioned those. There's, there's, there's dozens and dozens of different species that get recorded. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's basically any bird that you see in and around your garden within the territory that you set for yourself. Um, uh, so that, um, and the, the, the most important thing with it is consistency. Because, you know, the people who do the survey year after year were able then to compare the data uh, over time. So we know we're referring to exactly the same area, the exact same space and habitat. Uh, and, and that's also the same on a weekly and even a daily basis. So, um, you know, it, the most important thing, though, I, I'd stress is to have fun with it. It's a great way to focus the mind to learn more about birds. And we know that certainly from um, from the, 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 the COVID restrictions from that time, that the interest in the birds really has increased, not just because, you know, we've seen the traffic to our website. We've also seen a really significant spike in, in bird or membership. So 
lots of people now have joined us to receive our, our Wings magazine every quarter in the post um, to get posters of garden birds. And we also have um, 30 branches around Ireland. And between them, they, they, run between, they run about 450 different free events throughout the year for our members. Fortunately, most of those are on hold at the moment for obvious reasons, but uh, soon they'll resume, we hope. And uh, we're hoping all these, these new bird watchers and people who've found this new love for wildlife will come and join us. Yeah, and the, the membership would be a really good idea for schools. So Darren, who yeah. normally presents with me, who is unavailable this week, mainly because he's back to back to school, was looking for, a lot of the teachers are looking for projects where they can bring particularly national school children outside. Yeah. So um, that kind of survey and, and keeping track would be a good thing to do for a school project, wouldn't it? Oh, very much so. We actually have a special school version of it that's tailored specifically to use the school project, so it absolutely works brilliantly. And you'll find the details on our website, uh, birdwatchherland.ie. And for, 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 for teachers and, 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 and parents and indeed children who are listening, who are interested in this, we have a special learning section on the website, and there's two sections. One is for teachers and one is for kids, that's what they're called. Um, it's in the fun and learning zone. And uh, for teachers, there's all sorts of downloadable PDF uh, lesson plans and, and um, strategies for education and everything. We're very active in that area. And then for, for children, there's all sorts of fun projects and activities they can take part in. We also have a junior membership of Birdwatch Ireland where you receive, in addition to the, to the main uh, Wings magazine, you also get another magazine called Bird Detectives, which is aimed specifically at primary school children. And um, the nice thing about that magazine is it's not just learning about um, you know, exotic wildlife or anything like that. It's like getting your hand dirty. It's about learning the birds around your own area uh, and submitting the sightings that you have and then putting up nest boxes and all of that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I think that very often we tend to downplay or even be ignorant of the wildlife, the wonderful wildlife we have here in Ireland. Uh, I, I go to speak in schools a lot. I speak to lots of pupils and lots of classes about birds. And, you know, you'll always find quite a few children who are very interested in wildlife in any class in Ireland. But the thing is, they tend to know a lot more about the wildlife of sub-Saharan Africa or Antarctica uh, or, or the Australian outback than they do of the wildlife of Ireland. I think that's quite sad. I mean, it's very important they know about the rest of the world's wildlife, but we have things that are just as wonderful here, but also much more relevant to the lives of those children, and whose future they can actually influence and, and, and assist. So I think that um, that's something we want to focus on. We want, we want children to be more, and children and people of all ages, to be more aware of the riches we have here in Ireland, and also just how fragile our ecosystem is, how much we've lost, and how much we have to save. I think that's an important part of it. And as a conservation charity, that's our, our mission number one. We want people to be more aware of birds and wildlife, to learn to appreciate them and understand them, and know that what affects them affects us as, as human beings as well, because we're, we're animals like any other people. Sometimes we think we're special, a special case or something, we humans. Uh, but we're an animal like any other. We, just, we depend on the same environment that the birds do. So when we see changes in bird populations, it tells us a lot about the health of the, our, the world that we ourselves have to live in. So that's one of the main reasons why we do what we do. And, and that connectivity is crucial, really, to nurture at an early age. Because if you say there are three or four kids in every class who are kind of interested, like if you can extrapolate that to the national school system at an early age and then you know, like the recycling and everything, then that's being brought home into the house and people are being educated there. And I suppose the good thing about bird watching, unlike whales and things, is it's very democratic. You can you can watch birds wherever you are, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of it. The birds are the most visible form of wildlife that we have. There are birds everywhere. Uh, you know, if someone listening to us now to look out the window, I'm sure it'll only be a minute or two at most before a bird flies by. 
um, and they're, they're, uh, like us humans, they're out during the day generally. Obviously, some birds like owls are nocturnal, but uh, most birds are out during the day, unlike most mammals, which are much harder to see, uh, and they're very visible. Also, they're at the top of their respective food chains. So when we see changes in bird populations for good or bad, it tells us a lot about the health of the overall environment. It tells us about the plants and animals that they feed on and they feed on them. So they're real indicator species from that point of view. I think this is something that comes naturally to us all as human beings. There's lots of work done on the mental health benefits of, of bird watching and engaging with nature. There's a, a recognized phenomenon now called, um, called nature deficit disorder. Uh, so many of us have become so divorced from, from wildlife uh, that we don't realize that there's something missing from, from, our, from our lives. And that there's a natural connection there that our ancestors took for granted that we've lost. And we know that people who, who involve themselves in, in, in bird survey work or in nature walks or bird, bird watching or anything like that, they tend to, um, they te- it tends to tend have better me- mental health. People cope with stress better. And in these stressful times, I think that's something we, we could all use. Um, you mentioned there about the, the, the children in schools being interested in wildlife. One of the things that, 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 that always strikes me, I'm often asked by people, when did you first develop an interest in nature? When did you first develop an interest in wildlife? And I always counter that by saying, well, it's always been there. The question I'd ask is, when did you lose your interest in wildlife? All children innately from a very young age have this interest. And so many of us have it, have it sort of beaten out of us or, or, or forced out of us. Uh, um, but it's natural. And I think we need to do a lot more to foster it from a very young age because curiosity about the natural world is one of those natural and, 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 and you know, intrinsic human things in the whole world, across all cultures, across all, all life, walks of life. I think that's something we need to do more to foster. And it's interesting when you realise how absolutely natural it is for for children to be interested. And uh, there was someone I one, knew once and they were explaining to kids, oh, I teach art to adults. And the kids were like, when did they forget? And you kind yeah. of realise what an absolutely intrinsic thing it is that, that, that all of us really would be curious about birds and about nature. And then it, you're right, when, when is it lost? I mean, it was only last week we were speaking to a guest, um, Liam Lysett, you would probably know him from... Oh, Bangor. yes, I know Liam well, yes. Yeah, no, and he was talking about just the, the fact that there aren't nature tables in schools anymore. And, you know, have even if you want to bring the kids outside because of COVID a lot more, you know, have a nature table outside. But it's, it's extraordinary that that completely indigenous part of a school classroom just kind of vanished. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I think it's a great pity. I think that it's something that's been been under resourced at a national level as well. Uh, you know, there used to be there used to be Enfo, which was the the the, the, the state information about uh, environmental and, and and natural history matters for children. That's gone. That used to provide all sorts of training and all sorts of posters and materials for teachers and for pupils. Uh, I think that it's it's very short sighted. I think that you know that thing we need to remember uh, is in May of last year, uh, the, uh, the the Irish government, in fact the entire doll, declared a climate and biodiversity emergency. We hear a lot about climate emergency, but just as, as important, perhaps even more so, is the biodiversity emergency, the crisis that we have here in Ireland. Uh, but we always say actions speak louder than words. Where is the action to follow up on the declaration of emergency? Because we can see when we had this, this COVID emergency, all of a sudden lots of funds have quite rightly been made available to assist people and to help keep the economy going and to keep, keep it functioning. Um, the thing is that, you know, we know that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. COVID will be taken under, um, you know, they could come under control. Normal life will resume from mm. that point of view. Nothing has been done properly to tackle the biodiversity and the climate emergencies, and this is something that is not going away. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the quality of our lives and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives will get, you know, be immeasurably worse. 
And uh, future generations, I mean, I know I'm getting very worked up about this, but future generations are going to curse us for the inaction. They really are. We're fiddling while Rome burns. And we, the, the problem is that we know it. And that's the issue. Uh, we, we're, make, we're, we're deciding not, not, to, not to do something to tackle biodiversity loss and to tackle climate, uh, climate destruction. And this is a big problem. And there's always a danger, as you say, uh, last May, when, when governments declare a, a climate action, a biodiversity emergency, and then it's not linked with any policy whatsoever. So, so the organisation, so ENFO, who used to do all that educational support in the schools, is that not being replaced by anything? Well, there are certain measures in place, yes, but nothing that nothing that's equivalent. I think that that's that's sorely missing, and a lot of it comes down to to NGOs and charities like like Birdwatch Ireland and others to fill that gap. So, um, for example, you know, we're 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 a charity. We rely on we rely on members for support. We rely on donations. Uh, we've been able to engage in some education and training work um, through uh, through the European Union, through, especially through the European Commission's Erasmus Plus Fund, and so that allows us to do some of our education. But it's still, you know, that's something that we should be supporting at national level. And it's still very, very small. Uh, so, you know, our capacity to actually take on education work is, is sadly very, very low. And it's something that we'd love to do a lot more of. It's, it's, it's the only future that conservation and, and the environment has is through, through education and through fostering that love that the children innately have for wildlife. But giving them the tools to show that they can actually make a real difference in their lives and leave the planet better than, than, the, than the one they came into. And I think that's, that's important. We can sometimes very par- feel very powerless. You know, we hear all this doom and gloom and species are going extinct and climate change is inevitable. And when you feel powerless, you just think, oh, what, what's, what's, what's the point? We just give up. And we can't think like that. We can't give up. It's too important. No, and the, the, the remit of our show here in The Big Jump was to sort of deal with that apathy and just give people small and incremental steps of things they can do and good news stories. Do you get any government funding at all now to fulfil your educational remit? I'm not saying that you have one, but you obviously are working on it. Do you get any government funding? For the educational work that we do, no, absolutely none. Um, We do have a small amount of funding there, very small, that comes in um, through an organisation called the uh, the IEN, the the Irish Environmental Network, which distributes some 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 small amount of government funding. But no, we're we're an entirely independent, um, we're entirely independent charity and organisation. What we do is we do tender for some government contracts for certain conservation work. So some people, some of your listeners may have heard um, some of the work we do to conserve terns, which are seabirds that um, live on islands around the coast. And um, so we, we. there are projects that go out for tender from the National Parks and Wildlife Service, which is a state body, and we apply for those tenders and we may be awarded them, but that's, that's a commercial um, decision. We have expertise, of course, in-house. We're well-placed to do that work, but it's not, it's not a handout. It's, it's a commercial business. Um, yes. So our, fund, our funding, we, we do get some EU funding for some of the projects that I mentioned, but the, the, our lifeblood is, is membership, donations, sales through our online shop. And, of course, a lot of that was hit very badly during COVID, you know, yeah. Not the only charity that's struggling, I know, but we are struggling. We just launched an emergency COVID fundraising appeal to try and offset that, that you know, the, the loss of revenue as a charity that we suffered because the shop had to close, still hasn't fully reopened. Um, we, we, we lost all the, the recruitment and, and uh, donation opportunities and events we would normally do during the summer, uh, and this has hit us really hard. Uh, so, you know, we, we really do need, uh, we really need as much support as possible. So just encourage anybody who cares about this to, to go to birdocharon.ie and see what you can do to help. You might want to donate, you might want to become a member, you might want to spread the word to, to friends and family. Uh, if you don't mind the shameless plug, it makes a great birthday. Even I'm, I, I invited people. you on for a shameless, pl- a shameless plug. I think, I think especially for all the schools, it yeah. would be a, a very small spend for a huge return if you have all those tools on your website, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. And of course, we, we can also, well, in normal circumstances, we arrange school visits. We can do help with all sorts of projects. And it's not just a primary level, too. We, we've also been mentoring quite a lot of, uh, of students who take part in, in the BT Young Scientist competition and things like that. Um, so it, it, is, it is very, very important. We also love to encourage um, Irish photographers and artists and writers. You know, we publish their work in our magazines and on our website. Uh, so we're very much about trying to, to support the community of people who are involved and engage with the environment and the nature here in Ireland. I think it's really, really important. Uh, you know, Ireland internationally, we trade as a country on our green reputation. Uh, yeah. But a lot of that is fictitious. You know, environmentally, we're, we have a very, very poor record. Uh, and we need to, you know, from the point of view of our tourism and our uh, agricultural products and all of this, we need to do a lot more to make the, you know, the, the reality live up to the fantasy. I think, you know, we sell ourselves internationally on false premises sometimes. Yeah, I fully agree with you. There's a great amount of hypocrisy with Ireland being green and beautiful and all of that has an implication that we are looking after our biodiversity when if you think that even um, an organisation like Birdwatch Ireland isn't funded you know, at all by the government is kind of disgraceful really. Oh, well, well I, I certainly agree. And, you know, there's, there's lots of organisations like ourselves doing great work with very, very little support. And, you know, yeah. we, we talk about, as I said, Ireland being green. But one of the first things that, that um, so many foreign visitors say when they come to me here in Ireland, they say, your, your country's very nice and everything. Where are all the trees? Why have you got no trees in Ireland? We have the lowest level of tree cover pretty much in the whole European Union. It's absolutely appalling. We, you see, we've grown up with it. It's like it's like it's like you know, the the story the the you know the the, the tale of the, the frog in the hot water that's gradually the cold water that's gradually heated in the pot until it doesn't realise it's boiling. We're the same. We've grown up in that. We take it for granted. Take it for normal. We're, we're not we're not aware just how altered our landscape has been and how damaged it has been by human activity. More so in Ireland than in most European countries, I have to say. You know, the, the, many countries have problems, but we have really severe ones that we're not really aware of, and that we're not addressing. More importantly, absolutely. Still. More importantly, absolutely. You're quite right. Listen, Niall, it's been um, fascinating and an absolute pleasure. We'd love to have you back on because there were other, lots of other things I meant to ask you about. But give a shout out just of your website details or how people can get in touch. Yes, thank you very much. So our website, it's birdwatcharland.ie. You can find details there all about membership, about donations, all those education materials I mentioned are on there. Uh, you'll also find that online field guide to Ireland's birds, lots of tips on how to look after your garden birds and birds around your home. All of that, details of our events when they resume will be there too. So birdwatcharland.ie. We're also very active on Facebook and on Twitter as well, so you'll find us there too. Ask us any questions you have, anything you'd like to know about birds, we're there for you. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks very much. That's Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. We're going to take a short break and join us again on The Big Jump. We'll be having a chat with Denise Kyo. Call us on 056 We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Take a parachute and jump You're listening to Orla Kelly and Des Doyle on The Big Jump. When everyone else is gone that was a really fascinating discussion with Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland. Um, and I would encourage anybody, whether you are a bird fancier, uh, just someone who's recently sort of had time to notice uh, the bird activity in your garden um, or even on your balcony in a city. But for anyone who is in, involved with a national school um, in Kilkenny, in the city or in the county, birdwatch.ie uh, their magazine wings is fantastic and all of their educational stuff on their website is absolutely brilliant cannot recommend it highly enough um it's just still amazes me that they do not get state funding but 
we will work on that another day. Um, speaking of education, uh, the beautifully restored Butler Gallery in Kilkenny um, has brought in some artists, um, some in some well, not in residence now, but virtually working on projects with the gallery. Um, one of whom is Denise Hugh. Uh, Denise, you're very welcome to the Big Jump. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> It's um, now you were the reason why we're where we have you on the big jump today is that your project um, is around sustainability and sort of raising people's awareness of sustainability. Do you want to explain it to us? That's that's right. Yeah. Um, so well, all all of the artists actually are. Um, oh, are they? Okay, great. I just yeah, saw. Yeah, so so um, how, ma- how many how many artists are are coming in, Denise? I think there's, there's four in total, so I think there's one there currently, and then I'm in next week. So I think over the next few weeks. Um, oh, that's great. So they're all... Yeah. Um, it was, so were you given a brief to work something out around sustainability, or did you come up with this idea yourself? I, I think so. Um, I just... I, well, it was an open call um, asking for artists working in sustainability, and it's kind of recently been... Um, thinking around those lines in my own practice. So I thought it was an ideal opportunity to kind of do something that was <laughs> create profit. Yeah, no, it's, it's great, but it's, it's, um, it's a really interesting, I have to say, attention-grabbing way of looking at, because it's, it's kind of almost almost virtual. So do you want to tell us about a few of the things that your, your events um, and, and sales that you're hoping to make? <laughs> so yeah, so um, my project, I kind of, um, I was thinking around the lines of doing a door-to-door kind of delivery service, and um, so my project is called Delivery, and um, it's kind of a, it's obviously pointing off of deliver, uh, delivery, the food. Um, Just to interrupt you there for Denise, you're, you're not on speakerphone, are you? I'm not, a little bit, oh sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just better if you're not on speakerphone just for just for the reception. No, sorry, okay, yes, that's the, the reception. Fine. Just just stay stay still wherever you get good reception. And sorry for interrupting you. Do continue there. No problem. Um so yeah, so I'm doing um project on delivery and uh, we have lots of services. So there's gonna be you can get um water from Kilfane, I'll deliver that to you. Um, so, so Kilfane explains. So, Kilfane is the big um, out near Thomastown. So, it's a, a big natural uh, waterfall. So, you yeah. collect water from there. Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to have. So, yeah, I'll be going out there. Um, and then another thing is a sky meditation session. So, we'll both just, or whoever orders that, we'll just kind of spend a second looking at the sky. We're usually looking at screens nowadays, especially with you know, COVID and being in isolation and stuff, it's just mean extra screen time. So just taking a second out and kind of appreciating what we have, you know, nature. And you're, I, I suppose the whole idea is sort of to make people maybe just recalibrate and you're sort of asking them in a very, very direct, although it's kind of virtual at the same time way of, this is how you connect with water. Here's some water from a waterfall. Look at the sky. I mean, it, it's um, it's a nice kind of meditative experience, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of what it's about. So while 
like I mean, there's it's it's um, there's I know that some artists are probably like dealing with the climate crisis in a more overt way, but I guess mine is a bit more subtle. But there is, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of getting you to appreciate nature because I think that's a way of kind of you know making people aware um, that nature, how important nature is, and how it should be respected, and kind of. Yeah, but you, but yours is in a lovely because a, a lot of um, what tends to happen within climate action is that it's all doom and gloom, and there's a lot of finger wagging, and everyone is giving out, and it's all filled with angst and anger, and there's something very nice, therapeutically calm about about what you're doing. <laughs> right, well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a place for the finger wagging too, but um, yeah, I guess I was just having a different approach for this project. Yeah, and Denise, um, what what kind of work would you have been doing beforehand? So you said you had been kind of going in the direction of sustainability with your work uh, before you um, were involved with the Butler Gallery. So so what how what what would have led you in this direction? So um, actually, well, I've it's kind of came ideal time because I was more in the research point, but I have been working on um, a few films, few films. Yeah. Um, Sort of like looking at um, kind of similar themes, just like looking at what nature might become, kind of a thing. Or, um, but yeah, this this was kind of the main kind of strand of my research, kind of thinking around, um, you know, how yeah, how we can kind of bring to urban urbanized kind of bring nature in and kind of make draw attention in that sort of way so and it it, it i mean um, that's a very interesting connect you're making is that you're almost making nature a produce a pro to draw attention right. to you here buy buy some of my water buy some you have leaf confetti yeah. as well i believe i'm sorry you have leaf confetti as well yeah yeah so I guess yeah, that's that's it. It's kind of like getting us to rethink convenience a little bit as well. What is yeah. convenience and how we, you know, our own like um, means of consumption and stuff like that, and kind of also yeah, the leaf confetti is uh, just a way of kind of looking at alternative ways of maybe there's more sustainable ways in our everyday life that we can, um, you know, do things. You know, because obviously confetti, I think the normal confetti is non. Um, not bi biodegradable. No, it's so not. This way. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I, and I think the wheel has free. come full, full circle there because I, I think confetti at the beginning originally was petals and then I think there was a sort of a feeling within the churches that they were too hard to clean up and then it became paper. And again, as you say, for convenience. So you're you're going to bring it back to, to leaf leaf confetti, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And also, um, you can have a leaf confetti ceremony, <laughs> which I will provide. I will basically throw confetti at you. <laughs> so, um, um, and um, what, what else I, is on offer from from your from your shop next week? <laughs> so, I also have um, lucky dip and vegetable seeds, so people can grow okay. in vegetables. Yeah, and uh, flower seeds too. So I, I won't reveal what they are yet. You'll have to order to find out what, uh, 
Um, and when you talk about people ordering things or doing a sky meditation with you, um, how do they engage with the project? How do they engage? So you can, there's two ways. Um, you can get in touch um, by email at um, deliveroots at gmail.com or you can um, follow on Instagram at deliveroots and that's deliveroots with a Z for Instagram and an S for the email. Okay, very good. And can people access it through the Butler Gallery as well, or is it just going through your uh, Instagram? Um, so, yeah, yeah, the, the Butler Gallery are um, promoting it and, um, yeah, obviously facilitating the project. But, yeah, this, this uh, well, I, I guess if, uh, if people want to do it with the Butler Gallery, it can be forwarded on to me. Probably the easiest, the most direct way would be just to get through Instagram and email. And will you will you be on site yourself in the Butler for for the next week, or what yeah. dates will people be there? Yeah. Will you be there from? I'll be there from the 29th, um, or sorry, <laughs> sorry, um, I'll be there from Monday to Friday next week. So Monday to Friday week. next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds great. Uh, no, I'm just writing that down so I remember. And um, is it, so the other artists are there are there at other times. Is that right, Denise? You're just yeah, exclusively yeah, I think over there the next, next few week. weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'll be over the all all over the next few weeks anyway. Um, and the, the 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 as far as sustainability goes, the the gallery is just an amazing job of of repurposing a building, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I think I think Anna Anna has done a fabulous job there. So, um, yes, I certainly like your take on it. And if I want to um, buy. Um, do the lucky dip of seeds or have a sky meditation does does money change hands money does not change hands it's completely free but there is one um thing so to order you should yep. um the, the person who orders should make a commitment to being more sustainable in their everyday life so okay there's lots lots of ways we've already had like already there's been some interest and we've had like People committing to stop stop um, their intake of dairy. People are committing to veganism and also, uh, you know, just cycling more rather than taking lifts. People are committing to one person said no uh, slow travel. Okay. Well, so it's really and cool. it's, it's, it's really good because people don't have to d make huge drastic changes. I mean, I think if all of us ate less meat it would make a, a huge difference to climate action or if we just took one less journey a week so you don't have to do um so how are you gonna are you gonna be checking up on people later on to see how <laughs> they uh <laughs> how they lasted on their commitment I, to you i won't be too strict but hopefully their kind of their own conscience will spur them on and they'll be motivated maybe maybe the hopefully what i deliver you know it's kind of would be like an artifact to remind them. Oh yeah, I have to do that again. You know, or have to. I know because when when the when the flowers from the lucky bag, lucky dip wildflower grow, they'll be they'll be there every day, reminding them <laughs> of their commitment yeah. that they made. You know, which is exactly exactly. It's yeah, it's a kind of mild nag. <laughs> um, but yeah. they, they, I mean, I I do think it's really interesting the the underlying idea that you have that basically we've commodified everything we expect everything mm -hmm. and at the same yeah. time 
nature is the one thing that we can't commodify although you might be the first person to have done so but it is it, it just really draws attention to the fact that this is something that you can't buy and when yeah. you've lost it you you can't buy it back it's kind of profound yeah yeah i guess i mean that's that's kind of another strand to my normal research practice too i mean it's kind of been focused on climate change recently but sort of like ideas around neoliberalism and you know, um, uh, being overworked and why we're working and, you know, uh, kind of feeds into all these issues. And, and the environment is at the core of, core of all that as well. I know there's a, yeah. there could be an entire body of work. Do you see yourself, Denise, continuing on in, in, in this direction with it, within your practice of sustainability? Yeah, 100%. And this, um, 100%, I really want to make more work around it and um, it's been a really good kind of like motivation uh, getting this um, this prize from the Butler Gallery because yeah it's just a good kind of like oh you're on the right track you know it's nice so yeah, absolutely, uh, and it's. Um, I think I think your nice, calm approach to it is good. So I'm. I'm just before we go to the ad break. I'm curious to know. So if I do purchase or exchange um, some water from the waterfall in, Clen- in Kilfane Glen, what what sort of receptacle do I get that in? Oh, sorry. What kind of? What kind of receptacle is it in a jar or is it? Oh, how, how do um, I get the well, water? I hope. I mean. My hope is that people have their own containers. Okay. And um, for well, that, I think that's a stipulation on the the job form. So kind of promoting, you know, circular economy and stuff like that. Um, and do they actually go to Kilfane with you? Is that part of the experience? No, they- no, 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 no. I, I'll just <laughs> that would be <laughs> maybe maybe for another project. Nature trips could be. Uh, yeah, or that's a date. Out. That's a whole other website, Denise. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That might require more. Uh, so the idea is, I I get I get I get to think about what water f- that's untamed and in a, in a waterfall would be, and just the idea of trying to commodify that. It's yeah. it's just kind of thought provoking, isn't it? Yeah, and um, also something else that is kind of interesting because I just discovered that the waterfall is actually closing. I think on the thirty first. It's kind of, um, you know, if you get that, like, you actually can't access that place. Yeah. You can't access Kilfane after um, after that date. So you have a kind or of rarefied commodity the- there, so people will have to be making much uh, bigger climate action promises <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll need to uh, go full Greta Thunberg for that. <laughs> the, the, that's yeah. that's the rare the rare vintage water from the waterfall in Kilfane. Um, yeah. Listen, Denise, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And if people want to get in touch, um, they can go via the Butler Gallery. And will you just mention your Instagram page again, there, Denise, and spell it for us? Of course. Yeah. Um, so at Deliveroute um, with a Z. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Get in touch. And that's on Instagram. Okay, that was great. And thank you very much. That was Denise Kyo, who will be in the Butler Gallery next week from Monday to Friday. So if you want to meditate about the sky or um, get some leaf confetti and get a lucky dip that has some seeds in it in exchange for a promise for something that you will do. 
for climate action. And you heard it here on The Big Jump. Join us after the break when we're going to discuss this week's climate action news. Text us on 086-353-7782. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to The Big Jump with Orla Kelly and Des Doyle. When everyone else is gone. You are very welcome back to The Big Jump. It's Orla Kelly speaking and Morris O'Connor is going to join me now just to have a quick review of our guests before he goes on with his own programme. How are you, Morris? I'm grand. Thanks, Orla. It's great to talk to you live on air, uh, unusually yeah, so, rather your, than uh, yeah, usually, trying to just uh, sit here fantastic and listen to you. Things in the back room. Um, you had some great questions for Niall Hatch and we're so going to have to have him back again because, my God, he, he is good and there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Yeah, there are. There's loads and loads of things I could have uh, yeah talked to him about. I know that kind of the bird surveys that the uh, Bird Watch Ireland encourages people to do are brilliant, and we've often tried to participate in them at home. Um, some kind of humorous aspects to it, I suppose. I was just thinking the other day of I think it's probably all finished now, but things like trying to count crows um, when they come down for windfall apples, <laughs> and um, the, I think the the flying ant season is probably gone. But there was loads of them in our garden this year. Um, a few yeah. weeks ago, you'd never count the crows, uh, but they were all over the place um, and the other, the other thing actually one other thing that I was uh, wondering about um, I think a lot of the surveys are done kind of in the winter and kind of winter birds are very different I think than what you see in the summer and I, remember, I always thought of you hear an awful lot about birds that migrate into Ireland during the winter now we know the swallows are, are kind of on their way down to uh, southern Africa and probably Oh, you thought your them swallows left. were gone. Do you think um, they are? Well, I must check mine. I'm not sure. They're, well, they're still around, all right, but it's kind of about around about this time now. They're kind of. I think the the well, the early departures are probably gone. Maybe the second. Uh, batch of hatchlings this year um, aren't, haven't quite left yet but it kind of made me wonder about well what about all the birds that come back to Ireland and overwinter in Ireland and you hear a lot about things like Brent geese in, around the coasts and mm-hmm. in, in the Bull Island and the slobs in Wexford and places like that but I, 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 don't, I don't have any perception I'm far from being an expert about the birds that maybe come in and overwinter inland and uh, that'd be something else that I was I'm thinking that uh, Niall would probably no, be able to enlighten I, I us on. I have a long list, like I'd ask. So, Niall, if Niall is still listening, we'll, we'll hopefully have him back very shortly because, I mean, all the birds leaving is very interesting and just all the starlings, like, gathering together. And also, um, there have been... Birdwatch Ireland have had some really successful programmes introducing birds into Ireland. They've introduced um, white-tailed eagles and just... It would be interesting to know... How? Why do they alight upon a certain species, and where do they get the birds from, and mm. how long is the introduction period, and where they do they decide to leave them, leave them go, and all of that would be fascinating to know as well. It would actually, yeah. They, I think the eagles, uh, yeah. I think some of them. I, I think I'd heard they'd come from Scotland, and they were the ones that maybe fly or nest around the coast, and then there were those other ones recently that were released that out on Loch Derg, which um, I would have loved yeah. to have seen as well. Um, but there's also all other birds as well that, that I'm fascinated by, particularly buzzards. Like where, like buzzards, I was always would have thought of being as nothing to do with Ireland, but here they are, and you see them quite well, certainly out around the countryside. Anyway, flying up high um, and circling there around. Is, there are huge, huge amounts of buzzards here, and I literally never ever saw them in the last 25 years. And this year, I was speaking to Liam 
Lyset much earlier on in the year, at the beginning of lockdown, and there was about eight or nine circling pairs in the forest, and he said, oh, you know, they're, they're mating, and they have this really eerie call as well. But mm. they seem to be so domesticated now. I would have associated them always with being further away and birds of prey and you rarely got to see them but they're sitting up on top of all of the you know telegraph posts they're like i'm not yeah, saying they're yeah. common but no. they're you don't kind of oh my god there's a buzzard but like they know? must so have they, yeah because they must have migrated from or, or decided to in some way or another found their way back to ireland and in numbers because i i certainly like we, we've only been living down here 15 years but it's only in the last few years that i think i can recall seeing any buzzards so where were they before that or what was what was the story with our environment or their habitats or whatever that they just weren't around where do they come they from appeared yeah. that is that they they will be all the questions for yeah. um the expert nile hatch next week so um um, good news in you don't know how the, the I know Dunmore had their sofa collection sale the furniture out in the dump that happened last week I presume there was good um, reaction to that it's a great idea isn't it yeah I think it is and in fact in fairness to the council um, they, they do some run some and support some really good initiatives out in Dunmore they keep the place really really well um, I've said it before to several of our councillors, guests that we have on here on, on Kilkenny today. None of them on today, by the way, but mm -hmm. um, we have had them on before. And I've said it to numerous uh, councillors about why can't they just open the dump, dump on the Saturday afternoons? Uh, seeing it closed at 12 o'clock noon on a Saturday is just so frustrating. But having said that, they do run a great show out there. And uh, I think some of the initiatives they support, like also allowing a Rotary Club to collect bikes for um, sending out and uh, upcycling, I think, um, pardon the pun, and sending out to Africa yeah. um, is <laughs> a great idea. That's waiting your whole life to make that one. <laughs> <laughs> upcycling of upcycling the bikes. Upcycling yeah, I, bikes, I, I agree with you. For, for me to get organised to have a sofa or an armchair at a dump before... 12 o'clock on a Saturday morning but if we if we gently persist and encourage um, we will hopefully get yeah, them to, yeah, to open it on Saturday it, yeah. and the other, the other you were mentioning earlier on the show as well the uh the one-way system being retained, uh, I think if that's a definite decision of the council, I must look into that. It uh, sounds like a great idea. I'm all for it. In fact, I, I nailed my colours to the mast and said I'd love to see High Street in particular pedestrianised completely, uh, if that could be made work. I, I, too, I too will nail my colours to the mast there, Morris, and I, I think it was good to to trial this and um, I think it would be great um, I think people have enjoyed it it's kind of safer and easier to walk around the town and um, yeah it's all good news mm. um, so um, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show today I and I will be handing there. over to Morris full time, you'll have an exciting show no doubt um, well, we've got uh, well a complete change of kind of story, I suppose, away from anything nature-based nature or sustainability-based or anything like that um, from your own show. Uh, we've got Dimna Kenny, who's the general manager for victim support at court, a really interesting and uh, very, very worthwhile, valuable service they're providing. She'll be talking to me. I'll be talking to as well to Fiona Parr from Mormon College about some of the courses that they do. And uh, then probably, um, well, checking in the weather as we always do here on a Friday on, the, on Kilkenny today. And then we'll probably just muse a wee bit about local headlines and recent developments. Uh, obviously, lots of hot stuff happening in politics. And uh, we'll, we'll get on to that too. The hot, the hot week there was in politics. Indeed. I'm running over time here. So a very, uh, very quick thank you to Niall Hatch from Birdwash, to Denise Kyo, who's going to be on site in the Butler Gallery next week, to Morris O'Connor for producing. And next up, the news. Join us next week for The Big Jump. 
We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.